0: Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross and it is time to preview the 2020 French Open. Sorry for the delay everyone. Better late than never. Very, very busy week. Uh, So the draw came out Thursday. Today is Sunday. There are some matches that have already been played. In fact, I believe the only men's match still out there might be Zverev and Denis Novak. And that's tight in the first set as I'm recording this. So... I don't know what's going to happen there. I'll watch it as soon as I'm done with this. Uh, But yeah, just keep that in mind. There are some matches in the books, but uh, I will go quarter by quarter with this year's French Open preview. I will start by talking about the conditions. There is a lot to discuss on that front and talk about what I'm looking for, the players who I feel will have success at the French, the players who I feel will have less success at the French. This is the thumbnail. And uh, in the thumbnail, you can see some of the some of the things that we'll be dealing with over the next two weeks in Paris. One, there is tons of rain in the forecast. Now, Roland Garros now has roofs on, I think, the top two courts, uh, but I know on Philippe, Ch- Philippe Châtrier, at least, there is a roof. Um, there are also lights on 12 courts at Roland Garros this year. So if there are rain delays... They can push matches later in the day. There's not even a curfew like there is at Wimbledon. So there's the potential that the players that play can go on very, very late into the night. There is also the weather factor outside of the precipitation. in the forecast is the temperature, which is way, way cooler than what we're used to when the French Open is played at its normal June time frame. It's really, really cold, and you saw players and fans in winter jackets coming out onto the court uh, today, and that is going to change things immensely. Last but not least, and what's what's really been the most significant storyline early on, is the tennis balls. Going from this ball right here, a Babolat tennis ball, to your Wilson Tennis ball. I don't know if it's I guess it's not the Wilson US Open tennis balls, but uh Look, I have I've discussed this and I don't even know what video it was But I just remember I went over this I I play with both of these balls a lot This ball is nothing like this ball. This ball is heavy and fluffy and And it just feels like it's got that extra weight to it and it just kind of travels slower through the air This ball is very lively and bouncy and And I was watching the highlights of Kitzbühel today. Just going over some matches. Wanted to check out some highlights of Kitzbühel because I didn't watch it much that week. While I was watching some Roland Garros tennis. And it was almost like the difference between a racquetball and a squash ball. Anyone who's ever played those two sports, it's like the opposite spectrum. I mean, Kitzbühel was playing so much more lively than the French. All things considered, cold weather, night tennis, Wilson balls instead of the Babylon balls, it is some of the slowest conditions I have ever seen. The ball is not bouncing, and the ball is not really skidding through the court either. So it's kind of this double-edged, like kind of dead ball tennis, I'd say, and I, I don't want to get into... If I agree with the condition or, you know, how I personally feel about the conditions, because that's kind of neither here nor there. You guys can say in the comments that you're happy about the conditions or that you're furious with the conditions. I'm not going to get into that. I'm just going to kind of tell you what I'm seeing. And it is the slowest, deadest, heaviest conditions that I have seen in a really, really long time. So what will that mean? I think, uh... There's kind of two two vantage points. First, I'll just say, look, what you're looking for in you know in a player that's going to be successful is someone who can play defense effectively and someone who can play offense effectively. And what that means is someone who can take advantage of the slow conditions, uh, someone who is quick around the court, a good comfortable mover on clay, and who has good racket skills from defensive positions and is comfortable in the corners, hitting out of the run those players will be able to take advantage of their skill sets very well in the slow conditions because in the case that they will have to D up and, and just try to become a wall from the baseline and make their opponent play extra shots, they will have success doing that. So I think that there are, you know, heaps of players who could have a lot of success kind of ding up in these conditions and playing defensively. There are a much smaller... Select groups of player group, a smaller select group of players who will also be able to play aggressive tennis in these conditions. Those are the players who I'm kind of highlighting. Those are the players who I'm thinking will have a lot of success over the course of the next two weeks because clay court tennis is no longer a grind fest. Obviously, there was a long period of time where you had clay court specialists doing really, really well at the French Open. And even if you look at the play style of Bjorn Borg when he was winning the French Open, it was very much about attrition, very much about keeping the ball in the court, playing defense, being consistent, and outlasting your opponent. That hasn't been clay court tennis in a very, very long time. And just because the conditions are extraordinarily slow does not mean that I think clay court tennis is going to revert to what it was um, at this year's French Open. I don't expect to see that. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm thinking that clay court tennis has increasingly become a power game. It's been about power. It's been about sustained aggression. And I think that we're going to see a modified version of that. So who are the players who, yes, they are quick around the court. They can take advantage of the slow conditions and play excellent defense. That's going to be a lot of players. Who are those select few players who can actually play good attacking tennis with consistency? And these are the players who are the strongest, heaviest hitting players on tour. With one caveat. That caveat is the court is not going to respond to topspin as much as it has in the past. So... While you look at players like Nadal, um, a player like Nadal, who has a tremendous amount of power but has also benefited from the tremendously high bounce and lively bounce that he has had at the French Open, he will not really have that anymore. So I like power. I think power is going to be important, but it's also going to be very important to be able to flatten out the ball. to be able to play in the midcourt, perhaps finish points at the net. But, but really more than anything, I think that this court will require some, some flatter hitting at time. Or I should say these courts, not just this court. Um, so power, yes. Topspin a little bit less so. Variety probably required more so. And defense and movement will be a requirement as always on a on a slow court. With that being said, let's get into quarter by quarter analysis if you are new to the channel. Here's how I do things. I will tell you the top seeds in each quarter. I will tell you who I believe will be competing for a semifinal spot to exit that quarter, the victor. Then I will tell you who I believe is a dark horse, which is the player who is unseated, who I have deemed to be the most dangerous unseated player. Then the upset alert. The seeded player, who I believe is most likely to lose early. Then, your early popcorn match. The matchup in the first couple rounds that I am most looking forward to watching. And we start with Novak Djokovic's quarter, which we have done for a long time now. He has been the one seed for many, many weeks, closing in on a record time. Novak Djokovic is in a quarter with Matteo Berrettini with Roberto Bautista Agu, with Karen Hatchinov, with Pablo Carreno Busta, with Christine Garin, and with Hubert Hercac. Berrettini is someone who I think can be really dangerous at the French. He is the highest seed in Novak Djokovic's quarter. He has the kind of power off the forehand wing that can hit through these conditions. He is big, he is strong, and he also has a a shot in the backhand slice which is going to be way more effective on clay than it usually is because this is deader, low-bouncing conditions. So I think that Berrettini can give Novak um, Djokovic—I think he's a tough player— one of the more difficult four through eight seeds. RBA should should love this as well because RBA on a traditional clay court, the ball bounces too high for him and he is not strong over the shoulders. No, he does not like that. He is not very good um, in bouncy conditions. But in the lower bouncing conditions, RBA should enjoy this. He's a little bit deprived of power. So I, I would look out for perhaps you know, him having trouble creating offense on this surface. Uh, but but RBA should actually perhaps like these conditions more than a traditional French Open. Karen Hatchinoff should enjoy the extra time that he gets at this year's French Open. PCB, a better player on hard court. I, I'm not really circling him as a dangerous player here at the French, Christian Garin will be very disappointed in these conditions. He would rather the traditional, lively French Open conditions, and Hubert Hurkacz would really rather a court surface that rewards his big serving a little bit more than this surface will. So my quarterfinal is Djokovic um, and Berrettini. I do have Novak Djokovic coming through. My dark horse, Guido Pela, I'm not really confident about this pick, but out of all of the unseeded players... In this section, he is the player who who I thought um, is probably the most skilled and the most dangerous player. Uh, he has Caruso Salvador in the first round um, and then the winner of two players who I'm not very familiar with, Balazas and uh, Yasutaka Uchiyama. So I think that uh, Guido Pela has a good opportunity here. And I haven't seen him go deep in a major in a pretty long time. Hubert Hercoc is my upset alert. Who does he have? Oh, he's got Tennis Sandgren, a player who is pretty good on the clay, pretty comfortable grinding, doing some running, keeping the ball on the court. So that should be kind of a dogfight. And early popcorn, Berrettini versus Pospisil. And the reason I have that match circled is because Vashik Pospisil who who does prefer hard court, no doubt. He his run at the US Open was really impressive because I don't think he got too much help from his opponents. I just thought it was an unbelievable level big man tennis, big serve, big forehand, bold uh net rushing with frequency. I mean that was just really good big man tennis that Vashik Pospisil played. So the level that he brought the the U.S. Open, I mean, that's why I'll I'll have this matchup circled. Berrettini, someone who I think can make some noise here against Pospisil. I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering if we're if we should how carefully we should be looking at Pospisil. Maybe he's about to make a run back into the top thirty. I'm I'm pretty sure he's been there before, so I have my eye on that matchup. The path for Novak Djokovic. Let's highlight that real quick. Uh, Mikhail Emer, the Swede, in the first round. He's got some skills, but not nearly consistent enough to challenge Djokovic. Rob Barankas, someone who, who played Djokovic pretty close at the Western and Southern Open. Tennis Sandgren, uh the winner of Cam Norrie, Tennis Sandgren, two players who really can't hurt Novak at all. Uh, Djokovic is very comfortable. Uh, Christine Garin or Karen Hachinov. I actually have Garin, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it will be Hachinov. I, I'm having second thoughts when I look at that. Uh, nonetheless, either either player, um, I'd say as far as round of 16 matches go, pretty comfortable for Novak. He'll be pretty happy with those guys. And then Matteo Berrettini in the quarterfinal. I do think that Berrettini, if he gets hot and it's not Novak's day, Berrettini is a player who can, uh, can really trouble Novak. But I will say this is a surface where the serve um, can be neutralized so I would say, you know, if this were a grass court, this would be more dangerous for—, for I don't even know if that's true, man. Djokovic is so—I love Djokovic on grass these days. So so I, I don't know, but I, I do think that Berrettini is an uncomfortable matchup. But Djokovic should be able to neutralize the serve so often— It should become a baseline duel, and then Novak could pick him apart. I could see it happening if if he's at his best. Uh, Djokovic could, if he's at his best, uh, pick Berrettini apart from the baseline. But that forehand is not something Djokovic will be really keen on dealing with in these kind of conditions, because Berrettini will have really the biggest weapon on the court in this case. Let's move on to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. A lot being made out of Daniil Medvedev's form. He has not won a matchup at the French. He lost first round in Rome. So people really down, really kind of trashing Medvedev's clay court prowess. And I was kind of was early on that bandwagon because it is true that, that Medvedev is really offensively deprived on such a slow surface. So I don't think these conditions help him at all. However, Medvedev can beat a lot of players just keeping the ball in the court, doing some running and being more poised and more consistent. So he kind of he has that defense, he has the the ability to trade. It's just against players who can do that equally as well, that's where there's going to be issues for Medvedev. Um and against players who can actually create a lot of pace with a lot of uh with you know with with comfort and ease, those are the players who could who, who will bother Medvedev. But let's not act like he's a scrub just because he's on clay. Let's not act like that. In Daniil Medvedev's quarter is Stefanos Titipas, who made the finals of Hamburg and lost in a closely contested matchup to Andrei Rublev, who is also in this quarter, along with Denis Shapovalov, the Canadian, who made a good run in Rome to the semifinal. Also, Grigor Dimitrov and Filip Krajinovich. Krajinovich, a good player on clay as well. So this is uh, kind of your next-gen quarter, right? You have Tsitsipas, you have Shapovalov, you have Rublev, you have Medvedev. Those are your top seeds. They're all bundled up. It's the next-gen quarter. This seems to happen all the time. I don't know why. Or maybe it's just me. I always think there's a big serving quarter. But I don't think there is in this draw. There's the big serving quarter, where it's like, oh, all the big servers are together. And then there is the next-gen quarter. This is the next-gen quarter. Um, Shapovalov is the player who stands out here. Shapovalov and Rublev. They are the kind of players who I really think... um, They're the players I'm highlighting, I'm circling. Because they have unbelievable racket acceleration. Some of the best on tour and that gives them the ability to be potent on slow bouncing courts because they don't need to redirect pace. They can create all of it on their own. The reason I go with Shapovalov, I give him the nod is because I'm concerned about I I'm, I'm concerned about Rublev playing uh, long and hard for a week in Hamburg leading up to R- Roland Garros and I remember how players fared who went far at the Western and Southern Open, no one at the Western and Southern Open who made the semifinal went past the first week at the U.S. Open. I don't expect that to really happen again with Hamburg. And I know that with Djokovic, you have a bit of a fluky situation. But the the point kind of stands. I think there is a reason why players do not play the week before a major under normal circumstances. So I think that's a tough one. I look at Rublev and Shapovalov. I think Rublev has a little bit more consistency. I think Shapovalov has a bit more flair and better net play, which could help him finish points on the slower surface. Uh, so, But still, it's kind of a toss-up. I was going back and forth, but I'm going to go with Shapovalov, the player who got the week of rest before the French Open. Laszlo Jarrah is my dark horse. Big, strong player who's a good mover on the clay, and this is his favorite surface. Daniil Medvedev, upset alert. Let's take a look at Medvedev and who he'll have to face early because uh, that's that's very important. Uh, Marton Fuksovich in the first round. That's brutal. Fuksovich is an incredibly fit player. He's got top 10 fitness. He will go five sets with you happily. He will grind with you happily. And that's a problem for Medvedev. If, if Fuksovich has a good forehand day. His forehand is kind of hot and cold. It can go either way. Uh, He will be willing to run. He will be willing to grind. So that could be a tough one. Manorino or Albert Ramos-Vinolas? I think it'll be Manorino. Manorino, another player. I mean, man, they're going to have long rallies. That's going to be tough. That's going to be annoying for both players because both of those players want to redirect pace. Both of those players don't really accelerate much. Um after that Medvedev could face that that's actually a really weak section. You have Basilish Vili there. Vili has the strength. I mean, he's just not playing good tennis. Normally I'd say these are good conditions for Basilish Vili, really one of the biggest hitters on tour off of both sides. So maybe Basilish Vili. That could be an interesting matchup. He's just not playing well recently. I haven't seen him play well in a very long time. Uh, So I actually kind of have... I have Montero. But I don't know how confident I I am with that. So maybe an easy third rounder for Medvedev. And then uh, Rublev or Lajovic. Did I mention Lajovic? Oh, I missed Lajovic. Lajovic is also a seed in this quarter. Another really strong player. A big hitter off both sides. Lajovic will love these conditions. This is a tough quarter and a a really interesting quarter, it'll be fun to watch. So Lajovic is, if I had a dark horse among the seeded players, it would be Dusan Lyovic. So upset alert, Daniil Medvedev. Early popcorn, Rublev versus Davidovich Fakina. We'll see um, how Fakina does on, on the heels of his really strong U.S. Open run to the quarterfinals. And we'll see how Rublev responds a day after the Hamburg match. The reason that's early popcorn is I just think I think we could see that get close and get interesting. Uh, Rublev hopes not because Rublev wants to have quick, easy matches. Shout out to Andre Rublev, though. I mean, if you really just look at his his results, the consistency that he's had in twenty twenty, the win percentage that he's had in twenty twenty, elite stuff from Andre Rublev. I know some of you still don't believe. You should. Quarterfinal, Shapovalov over Rublev. Let's move on to Dominic Team's quarter. One of the big headlines when this draw came out is how difficult Dominic Team's draw is. I will dissect that. Let's see if that's really true or if that's just more of a kind of a narrative that people ran with that doesn't have much to it. Top seeds Dominic Team, Gael Monfils, who I want to talk about for a second. Monfils was in great form after the Australian Open. Again, for the second straight year. And last, last year, 2019, it was kind of derailed with an injury. And then this year, it was derailed by, of course, the pandemic. And now Monfils uh, has no momentum. He's losing first round. Um, I know in the last two tournaments he's played, he's lost first round. It's just such a shame that we've seen Monfils play some really good tennis after the Aussie. And then I feel like his momentum is gone when it's, it's time for the majors again. He's got the strength to hit through these courts. He's got the defense, but he's in no form. No form at all. Diego Schwartzman is in this quarter. He'll be dangerous for sure. Stan Wawrinka is a player. Man, If I did my, if I did my French Open power rankings again, you bet he'd be in there. These are perfect conditions for Stan. One of the strongest players on tour can hit through the heavy conditions easily. Then you have FAA. Still not really consistent enough, in my opinion, to go deep in conditions this slow. Borna has, is, is, is he's already lost today. Taylor Fritz, he will not really be enjoying these conditions. And Kasper Rude. Rude is, is one of those cases where... He just can't flatten the ball out. He hits with heavy topspin. He doesn't really have any other way to hit the ball, and it's just not going to be rewarded. Which is really, it's a shame for for Rude, because he he is strong, he is powerful, which makes him so you know so dangerous on you know in traditional high bouncing, more lively clay court conditions. But this isn't really it for him, I don't think. He's still dangerous because he's in great form. He does have really good power and the ability to push people around the court on a clay court. And he can find really good angles, and he's a good mover. And very soon, he'll be a top 10 player on clay, in my opinion. But yeah, I'm concerned about his ability to flatten the ball out. Quarterfinal, I think team comes through Schwartzman, Schwartzman. And I'll take a closer look at team's draw. But I really think Diego is the player... Who team should be nervous about? And I think before then it's a lot of big names, but I don't really know if if there's reason to be to be really concerned. Let's take a look at team's path, okay? Shall we? Um, Dominic team has Marin Cilic in the first round. I just don't think that's all that concerning. Team has played Cilic a bunch. He knows exactly what to expect. He beat him in New York. Pretty easily, I think he did drop a set. Did he drop a set? But I think that I don't think that outcome was ever in doubt. And uh, Marin Cilic just isn't playing very well. Riley Opelka in the second round, big server. I don't think he's very comfortable on the clay. Uh, I know that it's not the most comfortable matchup, but as long as Dmitrov, uh, Dimitrov, as long as Domi gets some serves in, you know, I, I, it's not that difficult a matchup for for team and. Look again; it's a tough matchup, okay? Because if Team, I'm saying I'm saying that Team should win these matches. Not that these players aren't challenging. Opelka is challenging. Kasparud, I've talked about him. Yeah, it, it could be difficult. It could, but it also might not be. Uh, then he could get Stan, and Stan could push Team if he's not um, having a great day. But I just don't know that Stan's in amazing form. He did look very good today against Andy Murray. But let's see what kind of tennis Stan is able to play if he's able to play his best tennis. Um then he plays Diego Schwartzman. So does team have a tough draw? Yeah. He does. If you really look at it, there's a lot of players in here that are strong, that are powerful, that have weapons. And I do think that there's the potential that Dominic team will have to exert a lot of energy. Early on in this tournament, which is not ideal, especially with two weeks off after for sure the most emotionally and physically draining tournament of Dominic Team's career. So I think the draw is a is a factor with Team, and definitely if if you're a Team fan, you're you are kind of holding your breath and you're kind of nervous. Now I think he's good enough, and I think these conditions um, put Team. I think he needs to make some adjustments. He probably needs to advance his court position, take the ball a little bit earlier than he usually does, and flatten the ball out a little bit more than he usually does. But if team's able to recognize that, he's got the assets. He's got the strength to hit through these courts. So I think that these conditions could be good for team. And I know it's not bouncy, and I know it's not what he likes or or what he thinks is good for him. But I still think it could be good for him. Dark Horse Tommy Paul, not very confident in that one. Not confident, but he's the he's the unseeded player who who I thought might have a chance. Upset alert! It was clearly born a church. He's already out. Um, and then early popcorn. Let's see uh, Rude verse, versus Tommy Paul. Let's see that one for for round two. I guess the popcorn matchups here, though, is really it's all about Dominic Team and and does he get through this this gauntlet? I do think he does. We end things with Rafa Nadal's quarter. His top seeds are Alexander Zverev, David Gafan, Fabio Fanini, John Isner, Benoit Pear, and Alex D. Menor. Am I missing one? Why do I have a comma there? Alex D. Menor is the 25 seed. Oh, Dan Evans. Dan Evans is the last one. Did Dan Evans lost to Kana Shikori. So that was a really good match. Five setter, long match. Uh, good to see Kay. Back from his injury in the wind column. Conditions that don't suit Dan Evans at all. Um, Zverev, I got to see what's going on after after I'm done with this video. He's got Denis Novak. Uh, for, for Zverev, it's just this wide range of levels. I think if Zverev plays his best level, he's got big power, which is a, a necessity, as I've been saying throughout this entire video, throughout uh, this entire show. Big power is a necessity on these courts, but he's also got the defensive abilities, the counter-attacking abilities, and uh, the ability to wall up, which it, which w- will really help him. So he's got the full package, and I think if he plays his best, he's probably the fourth best player in this draw. But he can also has this kind of um, what's it called? This okay? I, I'm I'm the word is escaping me. Um. But this massive range, and if he plays long matches early, which he can do and he's been known to do at the French, that, that won't be good for him. So let's see if he even makes it to Nadal. But if he does, that could be fun. David Gafan is out. Fabio Fanini, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how he'll feel about about these conditions. That's interesting. He doesn't strike me as the most powerful player in the world, but he does... He does have a lot of pop for his size, and he does take the ball very early, and he is very offensive. I actually think he's going to actually think he could be dangerous. John Isner is John Isner. Benoit Paire is just in a terrible mental state of mind right now, and he won't have much of a chance, and Alex Dimenor is out. Dark Horse is Yannick Sinner. Talk about a player who can just absolutely crack the ball off both wings. He was so impressive taking out David Goffin in straight sets. Watch out for Sinner. Another thing about Sinner is his quickness is what I'm not really seeing yet. And he just doesn't get into the corners fast enough. But these slow conditions will give him just extra time to cover the court, get into the corners, and and even his his big backswing on his forehand. The slower conditions will really help him, I think, hit out of the corners. So Yannick Sinner, this is a prime tournament for Sinner to make some noise and to to break out in a major for the first time. Early popcorn, round two, Sinner versus Roussevori, the Finn. Just a good matchup between two young players, but I heavily favor Sinner in that one. Let's take a look at Rafael Nadal's path and who Rafa has, the number two seed and the favorite in this tournament, although a lot of people now counting him out because of these conditions. And I'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, Nadal has... um, uh, you know, I, I've, I've watched this guy play, but I I don't want to butcher his name. But uh, Igor Gerasimov, uh, Jura, I don't know, Belarus first round. Mackie McDonald in the second. Kei Nishikori perhaps in the third round. Or maybe Pablo Andujar, who has a win over Nadal, I want to say. But I forget when, but I feel like he's got a win over Nadal on clay. Um. John Isner is a possibility. Fabio Fanini. Is a possibility. Fanini is someone. Uh, Fanini. Wait a second. Oh, I totally messed up here. Yeah, yeah. I actually think I. I think I have Fanini probably, meeting Nadal. Okay, that that's that's one to circle. That's one to watch. Nadal doesn't want to see Fanini here. Um, Fanini can. Can take that backhand early on the rise, do some damage with with that shot. Um, so so Nadal will need to figure that out. And then, of course, uh, Zverev, and um, in the quarterfinals, or maybe Sinner. So there, there's some. Fanini is really the the only one, who I, I I'm really circling because by the time you hit the quarterfinal, of course it's gonna be, of course it's gonna be tough. In fact, I don't know if any of the seeds, you know, I kind of like a lot of players here. I like Berrettini. I like. I like Rublev, I like Schwartzman. I like, I don't think that there are any quarterfinal matchups that I see in this draw, and I say, oof, that top seed got lucky because they have an easy quarterfinal. I just don't see that. I will say that I expect to see Nadal, Djokovic, or team lose before the semifinals. This is too wacky, the conditions are too crazy, too weird. Uh, too erratic to see all the favorites get through this. I think we're going to see upsets. So, when I make my picks, it's this is what I think is most likely, but I, I really don't think we're going to see that. Let us move on to the final weekend where I have Djokovic beating Shapovalov in five sets, Nadal beating Team in four sets, Nadal meeting Djokovic in the final, and coming through in five with team I actually think his best level would probably be enough to win the French Open. I don't think he has a chance to bring it because of his difficult draw and because of the monumental task that will be physically and mentally recovering from the US Open and playing this this French Open with without a lot of time to adjust. So I don't think Team is going to be able to really have all the, you know, when team is knocked out of the tournament, I would be willing to bet his energy reserves are not at 100%. So that kind of, that's why I don't see him. That's why I I really favor Nadal. Djokovic, a lot of people are saying these conditions are great for Novak Djokovic. I'm just really skeptical about that. Djokovic has a, Djokovic will appreciate the lower bounce. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into these hypothetical matchups and really dissect them as if they're gonna happen, because I don't like to do that because they might not happen. But I will say that Djokovic, in really lively court conditions, can have trouble protecting his contact point um, because sometimes the ball can get up high on him, especially on the backhand. And he'd much rather that not happen. So that's good for Djokovic. But the slow conditions are not good for Novak, who, against a lot of players on tour, um, will face a power deficiency. And he didn't have this, really, in the the early 2010s, where Novak just had more, more pace, more pop on his forehand. And he's been missing that recently. He doesn't quite have that at all times. Therefore... Um, between the diminished pace on his forehand and a little bit less physicality and endurance, which takes away his ability to really grind on these courts. Man, I don't like the slow conditions for Novak. I don't think that helps him. For Nadal, he will have to adjust. Nadal will have to flatten things out. Nadal will have to go to the net more, which he's been more than willing to do. I mean, look at the French Open final against Team last year. Trouble hitting through Dominic? okay. Nadal just really won at the net. uh, Mixed in the slice backhand. You know, uh, play up closer to the baseline, which I think Nadal will have to do. Flatten it out. Do more damage with his backhand, which he can, um, which he, I would say, is more comfortable flattening out his backhand than his forehand. All of these adjustments, Nadal will have to make. He will have to play differently. But And these conditions will require every player to figure out how to win here. These are absurd conditions. They are are wacky. Okay? So all the players tinker what works. Figure it out. Nadal's pretty darn good at that. I really trust Nadal to do well in that. So that's why he is still my favorite. I still trust Nadal. Nadal complained about the balls. He said, I hate these balls. He said, they're bad for the body. But this is not, this is hardly the first time Nadal has come into the French Open and downplayed his chances. He does that every other year. So I'm not going to read into that. I'm not going to say Nadal's not going to win the French because he didn't seem confident in his press conference. No, I've seen this movie before. The conditions will be interesting. Who will figure out how to win here? There's a lot of uncertainty here. I know I said this after the U.S. Open. In my U.S. Open preview, I was completely wrong about the conditions. Because they played a lot slower um, than I thought they would. In this, I get the conditions. I know the conditions, but they are so out. They are so out in left field. These conditions. I'm just. I'm not quite sure what the best way to win is going to be, but we are going to find out. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how how these things play out. Again. I don't really feel like uh, saying, uh, after the tournament, I'll talk about if the French Open should try to maybe do something about the tennis balls or not. But these are, yeah, slowest, heaviest courts I've seen in a while. And eventually, by the way, we will stop talking about this. And we'll talk about the tennis and the conditions are what the conditions are. Who is going to figure out how to win here? It's going to be intriguing. It's going to be fun. And I'm really looking forward to the next two weeks and the coverage here on Monday match analysis. Subscribe on on um, your favorite podcast platform if you haven't. Rate and review on Apple. I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed, and do not forget to subscribe.